I'm Jim Goldgeier, a Robert Bosch Senior Visiting Fellow at Brookings and Professor of International Relations at American University, where I co-direct Bridging the Gap, an initiative funded by the Carnegie Corporation of New York and the Frankel Family Foundation, geared toward generating scholarship that informs public and policy audiences. As part of that work, I co-edit the Bridging the Gap book series with Oxford University Press. I'm joined by Dr. Catherine Harold, Associate Professor at the Indiana University Lilly School of Philanthropy, and a faculty affiliate of the Indiana University Paul H. O'Neill School of Public and Environmental Affairs. Dr. Harold's the author of a 2020 book in our series, Delta Democracy, Pathways to Incremental Civic Revolution in Egypt and Beyond. Katie, you did an amazing amount of fieldwork for this project, and I'm always curious with folks who do fieldwork, did, when you went into the field, did it change what you initially expected to find when you first went to Egypt? Absolutely, Jim. I went to Egypt to conduct the bulk of this, the fieldwork for this book during the 2011 Arab Spring uprisings. And at the time, I had a mind to study how local non-governmental organizations or NGOs would respond to what was a major political opportunity to promote democracy in Egypt. And at the time, I expected that these local NGOs would not be major players in civil society's democracy promotion efforts. Because both the research that I had conducted in Egypt in 2010 and existing literature told us that Egyptian NGOs were deeply embedded in relations of control and of co-optation with the Mubarak regime. And I figured that after decades of operating under strict government monitoring and repression and being fearful of venturing into activities that could be deemed political or controversial, I just, I didn't expect Egypt's NGOs to radically transition to being vanguards of democracy promotion. And on the surface, Jim, the local NGOs actually did appear to hang back in the face of this major political opportunity. Rather than taking on new projects related to democratic political reform, they remained squarely focused on socioeconomic development. But that extensive time in the field, um, over two years um, spanned over uh, the course of seven years, allowed me to uncover two key findings that undergird the, undergird the book's argument. Number one, Egyptian NGOs understood the concept of democracy in a substantive sense. That is, rather than focusing on national political institutions, they focused on cultivating civic engagement and participation at grassroots levels. And second, NGOs promoted this substantive form of citizen-led democracy in ways that were culturally resonant and politically smart, and it allowed them to continue even in the face of government repression. So that fieldwork really allowed me to write a book that challenges us to rethink what we mean when we consider the term democracy and the strategies that local actors might use to promote it. Yeah, I mean, it's just such an amazing read. And, and I remember when I first read the manuscript, it was just so interesting because a lot of the talk about democracy promotion, especially in a period like the Arab Spring, there's so much emphasis in the West and the United States in particular on national elections. When are these elections? How do we measure democracy by elections? And you've got this really great on the ground study of work that's done at the local level to build civic engagement, which is a real great way to think about democracy. So what, what are the main lessons that policymakers 
should draw from the book when they think about democracy promotion assistance. Well, and let me stress, Jim, that when I lay these out, I'm thinking not only of democracy promotion abroad, but also um, shoring up our democracy here at home. So let me lay out three main ideas. First, democracy and economics are tightly intertwined. When we talk about democracy, we need to talk not only about political freedom, but also about economic equality and social justice. We need to talk more broadly about human dignity. And we see this lesson playing out in contemporary social movements around the world. Second, maintaining a separate democracy promotion strategy can be dangerous to grant recipients on the ground. Not only do they risk being tagged by local communities as advancing Western agendas, but democracy aid is also an easy target for dictators. Now, the U.S. shouldn't give up on its broader democracy promotion agenda. Rather, it should frame that agenda more creatively on concepts such as human dignity, community capacity, etc. The U.S. should focus more on the values of democracy rather than on the term itself. And the third key policy takeaway is that the U.S. needs to do a better job of leading by example and holding target governments accountable. The U.S. The US risks losing its standing to promote the values of democracy if, A, it's violating human rights and dignity at home, and B, it continues to channel significant economic and military aid to governments and violate local, that, that violate local citizens' human rights and um, fail to advance democratic principles. Yeah, it's just, I, I, you know, there's so many ways in which what the U.S. is doing at home uh, needs to change for us to get back into being a force for good uh, and just generally a positive force abroad. Thank you so 